Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halleck. This week, we come to you the first week of December. It's chilly, it's cold, we're holed up, warm and cozy. Um, and you might as well make a moment here to say our coziness is on the unceded ancestral territories of the Coast Salish, the Squamish, the Musqueam, and the Tsleil-Waututh. We are uninvited settlers, and what that means to us uh, as we learn about what that means, maybe is better phrasing. Uh, it the pause every time we do a show, we make this acknowledgement to remember our place. I think you could say, remember our place, not just physically but spiritually and emotionally. Being willing to show up and invest the time and the learning into what reconciliation looks like from those whose voices have been overlooked and. Uh, trampled upon for so many decades. We are learning, we are happy to be here, and we're happy to join you, dear listeners, as we talk today about Not That Way. <laughs> yeah, we were we were just thinking, because we, we kind of create the show out of what's going on in our lives, and we were thinking about things that we're letting go of, um, because that and and whether when you let go you have to let go of the dream or just that way of getting to the dream and so i know that you've had some letting go in the last week or two in in your life rebecca around um one of the ways that you were experimenting with to get to what your dream is and it made no. me think about what's going on for all of us right now as we all experiment with different ways of doing things because of uh, the pandemic, but also um, things, what what the changes the pandemic is forcing us into are showing us about our lives. And, and so a lot of people are lamenting the fact in certainly in the Northern hemisphere and in this, this part of the world that celebrates, um, we have a lot of festivities in December um, and they, originally sprang out of Christianity, but before Christianity even they were they were the pagan festivals. Yeah, I think they've that been around dealt with the dark, right? All and, over and, the world, right? Yeah. How do you bring light into the dark? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I was also thinking about how in our worlds of of late, when we've celebrated Christmas time, it comes, you know, it comes back to one of my favorite stories, which is the Dr. Seuss story about the Grinch that stole Christmas. He wrote that in the, I think it was in the 50s. And, and he was already horrified in the 50s by the commercialism that was overtaking the Christmas spirit and, and how that commercialism was sort of expanding it out into more and more time. So it becomes, you know, from the end of November um, and in Canada, even sometimes, you know, in stores, the de Christmas decorations are going up. Um, right after Halloween, which is at the end of October, that that commercialism is not what this 
season is all about. And so what is it all about? And so now we have the pandemic that's saying, okay, you can't do it that way. Now you, you can't, you can't all get together in one place, which means, I mean, you're not going to be able to have drinking and driving or it's certainly not the way we have had it because nobody's going to be going anywhere because we can't gather together in groups that are outside of our household. Um, and this, the whole idea of, you know, gathering around um, a big meal together, I don't know how, you know, we're going to have to get creative about what we do, but it's not now going to be just about the giving of gifts, especially since our economic situation has uh, tightened. A lot of people just don't have the money for gifts yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, so what does that, it, 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 that's saying to us, okay, you've got this month that is at a dark time of the year. We can't really hide from the dark. It's, it's there. It's, and our coping, our, our usual coping mechanisms, which weren't necessarily all that wonderful because a lot of people complained about what a hectic time of year it was and um, how they didn't have time to breathe. And uh, well, we've certainly got time to breathe now, even though the virus sometimes make it, makes it so that people who have the virus can't breathe. But, but what does that mean for us? I think, and I'm, I'm putting my fingers together and I'm, t- <laughs> I'm looking for the essence of this, for the pith, for the, you're trying to feel for where it is. I, where is it? <laughs> like, what is it that's going on right now? Because Something happens at this time of year. It's dark. Yeah. It it's a sh- and you know astrologically we're we're in the time of um, the sort of we're, we're moving out of Scorpio, which is a deep sign. It's about the shadow and um, and then we move into Sagittarius, which is all about sort of aiming for the stars and bringing the light and um, that. That's that shift is is very it's very here in nature. I mean, the leaves are off the trees here, and it's dark early, and the weather is darker anyway. We've had a lot of rain here, as is usual at this time of the year. Um, people are are a lot of people are depressed. A lot of people are lonely. A lot of people don't have their normal rhythm in their life, and they're having to find a new rhythm. So I and that makes me think about all of you, our listeners out there. What what are you experiencing at this time? And I've been spending time thinking about well, what what do I want to do, and how would I like to be in the month of December as we're just entering into it, um, as as we record this, um, as as you said, Rebecca, this is our first show in in December. What what is this? What is this time? that we're, that we're sitting in and how do we make the most of it? I mean, in nature, it's that dark time of year where, you know, everything goes underground, everything goes into hibernation. It makes me think that the answer is going to be in, in finding our, identifying our pain points and where are they coming from? What is it that we're wanting? Mm -hmm. What is the need? And sometimes we have to go under it a little bit because sometimes what we say is, well, I want or I need to be spending time with family. And in our minds, we're coupling that with very specific actions like a shared meal together or 
sitting around a fire together or opening presents together on Christmas morning Rituals. or Thanksgiving weekend or whatever spent together. So we, part of the challenge I think right now, especially in this in light of not this way is that the actions don't have to be the only way to reach or fulfill the want or the need. But we have to be ready to, to decouple those actions from the want and need so we can be honest about what yeah. the want and the need is. Yes. Then get creative. Because yeah. it's not about, oh, we'll just don't want that or just don't need that. Just suck it up. That's not helpful. How many times have we had an authority figure say that to us? Does it actually make it go away? No, it just makes you feel like it's not important. And I found myself saying things like, well, I'm just going to move Christmas to July. Yeah. <laughs> but that I'm noticing that that's a postponement. Right. If, right. if we just wait long enough, this will go away. But it doesn't tell me what to do with this dark time of the it's year. A, that's a self-soothing thing. And it, it's yeah. a way of coping. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It's the I'm going to change my expectations for now. If I put this this set of expectations is for this time of year and I move it to another place where it's more likely I can access it. But that still doesn't actually let us get to what is the want or the need no. that we have right now. And is there another way that we can fulfill but it? In a way it frees me up because now I don't have the burden of trying to fulfill that set of expectations that normally comes with this time of the year. So I don't have to be madly creating parcels and sending them off somewhere and figuring out how many mailing days do I have, you know, to get stuff to, and I don't have to stand in the line at the post office and it, like all of those things don't need to happen. Yeah. So then I can think about, well, what do I really want to need at this time of the year? And I don't know that I can remember the last time I genuinely thought about that. And well, this is revealing in itself, right? How much do we operate? And our actions uh, are, are springing from expectations, whether it be societal expectations, family expectations, patterns that we set up as our own expectation over the years. This is how we like it to be. We're really being invited into upping our game here. But that doesn't mean doing more. It means no. choosing no. different. I know. Yeah. So you alluded to to my, I had, re, I've just recently let go of something. So I've worked on, on a project idea for about a year and a half. I love the idea. I love the concept. I really want to see it brought to life. We launched it through um, a house that I, that I was able to take on the month before COVID hit. What timing? This was a co-housing project. Well, you can't find co-housing people to go into the house if you can't see people because of COVID. And also if there's immunocompromised people, they can't share space with other people, even if you're wanting, you know, people who are good matches, maybe otherwise. So I, it's kind of weird to be, you know, nine months, no, 10 months in and to have to look at it and say, woo, this was never going to fly. This was never going to fly. Not like this, not now. Yeah. And there was no way to know that when it first, when no. the opportunity first presented itself. And so no. I've, you know, spent time self-searching. Did I jump too fast? I'm, I'm well known for jumping off of cliffs. So that's not, it's not, <laughs> did I jump and I shouldn't have jumped? No, I, Rebecca jumps. That's what Rebecca do. But <clears throat> Did I misjudge this one? 
Well, no, who knew about COVID? That's, that's all, none of us knew, right? And so this is an entirely, and it's changed the world inside out. It's changed parameters of how we do everything. It's changed what is functionally possible to offer and to receive within society without causing uh, openness to infection. And I, def, I, I did some work with myself sitting down quietly with my cat on my lap and a cup of tea and some meditative music and did that self-searching talked with my my team which is my version of praying just sort of asking for all my helpers to come and give me some insights and wisdom and I really ended up with the feeling of this was always the way not meaning that I made meaning sorry meaning that I didn't make a mistake but that there was still value in the path that was taken, even though it was incredibly difficult and incredibly disappointing and incredibly taxing. I'm exhausted from what this pulled from me over this, this number, most of this year, trying to pull something through that really couldn't pull through. Um, <clears throat> but there were still good things. There were still important discoveries. There were important um lessons and opportunities opportunities don't always oh wow i just suddenly remembered a quote that i used to tell my students uh, so, um <laughs> sometimes opportunity doesn't sh i'm not going to get this right doesn't look like what you think so opportunity can show up in coveralls and grease knocking on your door, but you don't yeah. answer it because it's not what you thought it was. And yeah. so this opportunity looked like what I thought an opportunity would look like. And I grabbed it, mm -hmm. but it certainly didn't play out the mm -hmm. way that an opportunity <clears throat> normally would in my life. It was way too much hard work. And actually that was the other part of the quote I forgot. Opportunity shows up in coveralls and looks a lot like hard work. <laughs> and so we don't- Yeah. We don't want to change it. But anyways, back to my point, which is that the opportunity of situations that don't feel optimum may not necessarily be in the coming together of all the details in the way that you imagined. There's opportunity in what I learned that had to do with, okay, this is a good match for me to work with. This is not a good match for me to work with. Here's pieces that if I were to try this again, I would need to build structure around that I didn't this time because I didn't know. Um, and this is entirely independent of how COVID impacted everything. This was stuff I was gonna have to learn anyways. Maybe it's easier on me that I learned it on something that was doomed to start from the beginning than, than on something that really could have worked if it wasn't from COVID. I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, you know, in the end, it's up to me to create the meaning. Yeah, I would, that's what I was thinking, that, that we're, every, every single one of us is learning things that are unique to us. And yet there is a, a worldwide learning going on. And we're, I think it's forcing us to look at uh, relationships very much. Um, and relationships, in, in, like my relationship with myself, my relationship with all the things I do in my life as an expression of myself, 
and my relationship with all the people with whom I do that, but also my relationship with my neighbors, because now I actually see that my neighborhood doesn't just clear out at, at 8.30 or 8 or 8.30 in the morning anymore. Um, some people still go off to work, but there's a lot more people around in my neighborhood. It used to be that because I work from home, I was one of the only people that was at, who was at home during the day. Um, so there's a, there's a different sense of, of neighborhood and all of our neighborhood haunts that we would usually go to are not as available. They're not open for as many hours. You can't interact in them the same way as, as we used to. And also all of our community services, some of them are overtaxed. Some of them are sort of disappearing. They're, they're sitting on the shelf and languishing uh, because the way they were working before isn't, isn't working. And then I also think about our neighbors around the world and you know, what happens to China, for instance, where, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, and none of us know yet exactly what caused that virus to come out of China. But it, it is such a huge country with so many people. It can't be that everybody in that country had to do with the virus. So we, you know, there's a tendency to say, we'll take all Chinese people and we'll put them in that basket. But that's, that's not appropriate either. So what do we do with China as our neighbor, China as a trading partner, China as um, a country where people are going in and out all the time, they're getting on planes, they're coming to us, we're getting on planes and going to them. Um, there are um, people of Chinese extraction all over the world who weren't born in China, don't like so so that's a that's a neighbor thing and it it would be too easy too trite too lazy in a way to just to just blanket it's like carpet bombing you know you, you to just to just choose a target and say well they're at fault it's not that simple anymore Nothing. I mean, I'm not sure it ever was, but, it, but yeah, we can it really, really see that it isn't. It's it's like the scale is so exaggerated right now that this faulty logic is really exposed. And I think we as individuals yeah. do this for things. If if we've had a trauma yeah. or we've had something bad happen in our life, it's really easy for us to generalize and to try to avoid re-encountering yeah. that kind of problem just yeah. by writing off whatever the whatever sort of looks like the source that we originally had the trauma via or the pain through that yeah. can, that can cause us to write off entire segments of society of, of entire businesses or systems the way that we'll just yeah. be like well this treated me this way and i refuse to engage with this yeah. and whatever the this is yeah it can end up falling down yeah I mean, this is really also it's, it's heightening our um our um the racism that's in our bones mm. that that we need to take time to did you see that there is a new here's this little segue but this is useful here <laughs> brand new um human rights commission uh uh ad program that that has started they've been putting ads up on bush bus bus shelters <laughs> yeah 
slowly and carefully, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Bus shelters around the city and probably more than just Vancouver. I'm sure it's probably BC. And yeah. they, the first ones that they rolled out with were just where they were black and white uh, segments on the screen, on the thing. And it just said, am I racist? And then they've rolled out a second level one where they have uh, a statement. And then again, the question, am I racist? So statements such as, if I want to forget about my province's history, am I racist? If I don't see color, am I racist? Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed with this campaign because it, it, it pulls the things that we often hear from friends or family or even from our own lips where mm-hmm. we really believe we're engaged in the conversation around racism. And it is so also the label racist and to be a racist is so none of us wants to be under that label. There isn't a single person alive who wants to be labeled a racist, but it's helping us to look to see the behaviors and the actions that have an impact of racializing and magnifying the issue rather if we're not a part of the solution, we're part of the problem, right? Basically that. It's all the ists and the isms, right? Yeah. And it can be around anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I've recent, yeah. I've recently seen a lot of this in, in my life and it, and I, and I, but it's interesting that they're putting it in, in the bus shelters because I'm not spending any time in them anymore. Um, because I'm not traveling around, I'm staying very close to home. But but it is a good. I mean, normally that would be a really great place to to put them. Yeah. Because because you're standing there with nothing to do. I mean, other than looking at your phone, which a lot of people tend to do now. You go up to a bus bus shelter and everybody's standing there with their noses in their phones. But but is that that doesn't that means we don't have to interact with one another right which is also one of before, the isms and yes for phones it was yeah books it was newspapers something. i've always yeah. been person to travel with my nose in something else rather than just making yeah. eye contact yeah. talking yeah. to strangers yeah but it I, allows us to isolate though right it it allows us to not interact with anything that would um, cause us to broaden our perception of other. I guess that can be that can be an impact of that of that. Yeah. I mean, it's not the only thing, and it doesn't mean sure. that it's wrong to read a book in a bus shelter. But, right, right, right. Yeah, and especially yeah. in such a diverse city as we do live in here in Vancouver, there is yeah, much am, community. Yeah. But you know, it's as soon as fear, as soon as there's fear, I was just going to say, as soon as we're scared, yep, yeah. we start drawing. Then we lines. then we draw into our old protective behavior that yeah. we may not have analyzed. Right. It's just um, and and then we get to say, well, okay, does this does this work? What's it what's it doing to me? And and what are my mechanisms for running away from it? And do and do those mechanisms work? Like I wonder and I'm not I'm not saying this is what's happening, but I'm curious about whether our coping mechanisms are actually working very well anymore. Right. It's we're we're being you know, how long do you have to sit alone in your house um, or with your immediate family um, or your immediate housemates um, and before, before you realize that that coping mechanism doesn't work if it ever did? Well, that's another very important tack for us to look, take a look at through, uh, with this concept of not that way. Yeah. Because coping mechanisms 
we all have them. It's a yeah. phrase that that's really frequently used. And I think sometimes is interpreted as a negative thing. Oh, well, that's such a, that's is just, that's just as coping mechanism. It can be like a, an excuse for yeah. bad behavior or harmful behavior. We all have coping mechanisms. Some yeah. of them are effective. Some of them are helpful. Some of them not so much, right? They may alleviate something in one side of our brain or experience, yeah. but then create another problem. Yeah. But <clears throat> I've had conversations with my partner many times where he's looking to remove a certain um, practices that he has that aren't of the best for his health. And he just wants to remove them. It's like the, mm -hmm. the stopping of that thing. And I keep trying to, the, the coach counselor. It's the like, amputation syndrome, right? Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't work, cut it out. Right. Cut it which, off. Which, hey, some people can do cold turkey. But if these things have been coping mechanisms, then if you're not going to replace them with something else, then the only thing that's going to happen is you don't have a process for yeah. managing and de-escalating the feelings and emotions and thoughts and behaviors that are perhaps per even more or have the potential of creating more destructions in your life or more division or more isolation. So what if this is also an invitation right now to be examining those things, not only to say, okay, our coping mechanisms aren't working, but to say, hey, I need some new ones. I need ones yeah. that will work with yeah. what's available right now, with what my body needs, with what my mind needs, with what works with the people around me that I am in physical space with, or that will help me to connect with people in the ways that I need to because I don't have people around me in physical space. So, yeah. What? And, and that's the, that? that's how I, how do I, how do I cope? Yeah. Um, but it's, but there's, but, uh, even underneath that is, why am I reacting to this the way I am? Um, and is there, is there something here that needs to be healed so that I don't need a coping mechanism for it? Right. right? Well, so some things we just have to cope with, like we have to cope with the virus. But, but the other things that that brings up in my life may not be virus related. It just mean, may mean that my usual coping mechanism isn't avail available, but then it, then it sheds light on, potentially sheds light on, what is this thing that's uncomfortable for me and why? What is that want or need? That's yeah. still being yeah. addressed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And re ideally, your coping mechanism is going to find a way for you to address that want or need directly, but perhaps through means that were very different that you hadn't considered before. So we have to be, it doesn't have to be, I don't like using that kind mm -hmm. of language. It's mm -hmm. helpful for us to be in a place of curiosity around. Yes. Rather, yes. Than, rather than conclusions and not going into the should, have to, shouldn't kind of language, even with our own yeah. self. Like it's not. And the speed, right? It has to be fixed now. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember oh, yeah. learning about, about stress in the workplace and teaching about it in the, in the 80s. When they were really beginning to acknowledge that in the workplace, change was stressful for employees and, and that it wasn't going to happen. You couldn't just snap your fingers and have change happen and, and have everybody do an about face and do something in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and, we, and, and we talked then about, well, you know, you, there's, a, there's a, f a frozen state 
and then there's that we thaw it and we go into a liquid state and then it refreezes in the new way. And then they began to realize that we weren't going to get that length of time, that things were happening much faster and that basically everything was liquid all the time. So if everything's liquid all the time, then, then how do you find the space and the time for this, for this change? It still takes us time to change, but now we're not even, it doesn't, we don't even seem to have the time to change. Well, the virus is saying you got nothing but time to change. Yeah. In a way. I mean, we have to cope in that we have to find a way to earn a living and, and do those kinds of things. But we also have more time that was perhaps before taken up with other things. Um, and we can't, what do we do with that expectation, that immediate gratification expectation, right? That it should, we should be able to fix it right away. I encountered that just this last few days when I had to do this huge push for a very real deadline in order to get things out of this house. I had equipped the house full of furniture. So I needed to move it all out, even though I didn't have places where to go to yet. It had to happen. So it's all stacked up in a carport and oh my God, my living room looks like an antique store threw up all over it. It's just full of everything. And the day I finally got that finished, the house was done. That deadline was met. Met, And I turned to my house, to this antique barfed all over living room. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, now here. And I start, but my body was, in, was kind of broken. I, my hip has been out for a long time and I've been having to push through doing things with this, not being able to walk properly. And so I was trying to grab, you know, whatever sun was available, my partner, pull him away from this. Can you guys carry these boxes down here? And still just trying to organize and get back to a state of we can sit on the furniture kind of place. And I, there was all this resistance and the people weren't working with me. I was starting to feel very unhappy and unsupported again. And then my partner said these magical words to me. Can we just take a day off? Why does this have to be done today? He said. And it was like a light bulb went off in me. Yes. Oh, I guess it doesn't have to be done today. But everything's had to be done fast for so long. Everything was always so overdue that I honestly didn't know how to tap into that well, it's changing and, gears right you yeah. are running in a really high gear yeah. and sometimes we need to downshift into yeah. a lower gear when a lot of it has to do with perception so i was yeah. perceiving that it was stressing everybody out that this yeah. living room was in such chaos and the yeah. house really and so i was trying to get that resolved for the purpose of de-stressing the entire house as well as me then they gave me the reality of check of, we just don't care, mom. <laughs> yes. And it's better to have you in a better oh, state yeah. than to have the living room in a better yeah. state. I'd rather just eat ramen and take a day off. And can we do this tomorrow <laughs> or the next day? So does this set us up for one of, for one of our songs? I think it sets us up for it one does. of those songs. It could actually be any Today. one. I might just go ahead and play both. That's what it feels like. Because one of them is kind of, do oh, it. no, let's do a little break in between. Okay, so the first one is, did you ever have to make up your mind? 
by the loving spoonful. And I haven't heard that in a while. That's very appropriate. About it is. It's just a short changing little our mind about changing perception, right? It's so it's such a cute song. I I loved this since I was a little girl. So we're gonna take a listen to this, then we'll be back to talk more about not that way. Did you ever have to make up your mind? Pick up on one and leave the other behind. It's not often easy and not often kind. Did you ever have to make up your mind? Did you ever have to finally decide? And say yes to one and let the other one ride. There's so many changes and tears you must hide. Did you ever have to finally decide? Sometimes there's one with big blue eyes, cute as a bunny, with hair down to here and plenty of money. And just when you think she's that one in the world, your heart gets stolen by some nice little girl, and then you know you better make up your mind and pick up on one and leave the other behind. It's not often easy and not often kind Did you ever have to make up your mind? conversations with Rebecca and Luca that was did you ever have to make up your mind by the love and spoonful <laughs> brings back memories yeah I still know all the lyrics that one makes me happy um now he's talking about girls but could I be feel, anything I feel like I had to do that this last week I just I, it was I had to make it I had to make a decision and you know something you said uh just before we came on to record Luca that I feel might be really good to for us to come back to you right here and that is well actually you did say it i think as well and when you were first speaking as we recorded that is when you say when you admit that you need to let go of one thing it's not necessarily that you're saying no to the dream or to the purpose or the, to the goal that you were trying to reach through this method you may be saying not this way, which means you're going to look for another opportunity. You're going to look for another way. You're going to look for another time. You're going to look for the better pieces. I know that was me this last week and a half. That is absolutely me. Okay. Not this way, but that just means I pull whatever is left of my resources back. I stop throwing energy and time and money and whatever else at something that's not going to be the way. And I wait and I focus my attention on something else, something else that is worthy, something else that is very evident that it's ready to move right now or has room for my attention or is lacking for my attention in the meantime. And I'll focus in on that for a while. And that's, you know, the next opportunity will show up when it's time. And I have to be play devil's advocate here because sometimes 
this is like the 25th way we've tried. And now we get to say to ourselves, is this really the dream I want to be chasing? Like, what, what is it that I've assumed is the right thing all these years or however long it's been? And maybe I want to sit down and say to myself, do I need to challenge that? Is that really where I want to be going? And maybe there's something else that I've been doing all along that I was just doing and wasn't fo- I wasn't focused on it because it wasn't, quote unquote, the dream, but that is actually moving. Yeah. That, that does work, right? Yeah. That is the way. Because um, I think that we're, we're, we're figuring all of this out. This is a time of challenging the assumptions. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we have to throw everything out or that everything is wrong. But sometimes we need to have another look at it and say, is that really the direction I want to be going in? And uh, on, on the other side, is that really the only way that's possible? Right. So I just thought of an example kind of a big yeah. life example for myself. When I was in university, I was originally on track for um, my university didn't actually offer a teaching uh, degree, but it offered pr- like credits that were along that route. So I was going to take those credits and I was going to take it somewhere else and complete a, t- a degree in, in teaching. So I was maybe a year and a half into the coursework for that. And I realized that I was not enjoying myself in the least really was not enjoying all of the things. I was parked outside of my next teacher's support placement and I did not want to go into the school. And I thought, this is a really bad sign. Why do I feel this way? And why am I pursuing this if this is how I feel? So I switched my major and I went into what I had actually always wanted, but had stopped aiming for because I didn't think I had the right stuff. And that was for counseling switched my major over to counseling and psychology and thrived for the rest of my degree. Mm-hmm. And then when we, when I finished that degree and my, uh, my husband and I were just starting life together up in Halifax, we got invited to go overseas to teach. <laughs> cool. Here it is. Rearing it's it's yeah. Again. Yeah. And I didn't even think because I wanted to go but it, I just sort of ignored the fact that it was teaching and I went and I, I excelled, but at the whole, the whole time I thought it was absolutely ironic that I didn't want to be a teacher. And here I was a teacher years after that. I, we ended up going back to Sri Lanka and we, we did, we were just there for one year. We went back again and we started a school that time and I moved more out of the teaching and into the administration and guess what? The counseling. I just, that was my natural role. So that was who I was for all of the students. And I ran the school and I created curriculum and that was where I really thrived, but I would never have gotten there if I hadn't ended up sort of popped back into the stream that I'd walked away from with very big awareness that teaching was not what I wanted. And to this day, there's been a lot of times in my life that I have gone back to teaching or facilitating one way or another because I'm good at it, but it's not what fills me. But I think I'm saying this, I'm offering this as a story because perhaps there are times when there are things that we are good at that don't necessarily feed us on all levels, 
but that are ready to move for us, to support us in other ways that actually may provide a way of connecting with the bigger thing we're aiming at, even though it looks like it's we're doing a dog leg or a backward step. Well, and I'm thinking in your story that you're a born teacher, but you don't like the teaching system. I also don't like repeating things. And so that's well, yeah, but good about... teaching isn't it, I mean it is it's iterative. Okay, you but... know what? you're right, you're right, because it is the system. That's what it looks like. Is a teacher it's a system. It's that you have to or... do it this way and only this way, and you don't have any latitude. Yeah. There's there's rules you have to follow just because they're the rules. That's always made you crazy. Yeah. But there but that's not the only way of teaching. I yeah. mean, I would never have made I do a lot of teaching, but I would never have made a good elementary school teacher or, or I, I might have done better with a high school class. But, but even that, the having that set curriculum doesn't, doesn't work for me. But that's not the only way that we learn in the world, right? Yeah. So, so there are informal teaching roles all over the planet. And then there are formal teaching rules that are within an agreed system of accreditation of whatever kind they both have their their place their role but but that's that's not necessarily right for every teacher and but we don't we won't know that until we think not this way <laughs> this one yeah. doesn't work right yeah because yeah. then we have to go back and say well what is it that really gives me joy and what what is it that when I do it I feel like I'm fulfilling something that is necessary inside me. So inside me, it's being of service. I need to be of service. Mm -hmm. it, and, and that comes out no matter where you put me, I will find a way to be of service. But it isn't, it's my form of service. It's not necessarily how everybody else would define it for themselves or, for in, or in general, right? Yeah. But, but I have to decide that for myself. So there's a certain amount of, doing of youth as you said you Rebecca jumps <laughs> you jump right and then you jump and then and then you so you do and you get feedback and then you assess and then you reassess you adjust and you reassess and that's life yeah and life is iterative right we we do something and then we get feedback and we decide if we want to continue doing it that way. So when I was breaking this down and teaching people how to teach, I was saying to them that they, people have to have an idea of where they're going and how they're going to know when they get there. Yeah. And then they have to do it. They have to try it and then they need feedback. And the feedback needs to come not just from the person who is quote unquote teaching them, but their own feedback as well. They have to be able to give feedback to themselves. And that's not just beating yourself up. So, so these, are, these are pieces of the planet learning. Yeah. How do we learn as a planet, as a global community? How are we? And it reminds me of the, that Dr. Seuss book, Horton Hears a Who, and the, all, the, all the, the Who's that are living on the head of this dandelion. I think that's, if I have got my story straight, that was, that was where it was. And, and Horton is the elephant who hears it. Like they're calling because their world is in trouble and they're all calling together. 
and Horton hears it, nobody else does, right? Yeah. It's, but we're collectively calling out right now to heal ourselves on this planet. Hmm. And we have a lot of, we have a lot of our own solutions, I believe. I think we're here because we have solutions. But how do we, how do we engage them? Mm-hmm. How do we let go of the behavior that doesn't serve us anymore and engage with the behavior that does? How do we differentiate? And that's that constant process that you were engaged in this week. And that I had a, I had a client come back this week um, where we had, we had had, it was a week ago now, but um, we had had a difficult time in our working relationship. And it had to do with the, the material that, that we needed to work with. But it was also, it came out, it was very evident in the process in which we were engaging to, to do that. And it, and it left us in a, in a stalemate. We could not resolve at that time. And I did a lot of, I, I know my client did a lot of soul searching and I did a lot of soul searching. And we, we, we had to agree to disagree and leave it. It's been two years now and I got to see this past week what had changed in this client's life as a result of his intention to, to change. And it was big and hard and scary and he did it. He did it. And then had the, had the guts to come back and re-engage with me again so that I could see from my end that as hard as it was to hold the position that I was holding, that was one of those places where life threw all this stuff at, at me and said, is it this way? Mm-hmm. And is it, is it this that I should be doing even? Yeah, right? I remember that was a hard one. And then I got feedback this week that it was of service. Mm-hmm. As hard as it was for both of us, it yeah. was of service. It, it did shift something. That doesn't, I, I, I'm not taking credit for shifting it. I was part of the catalyst system. Right. He still had to go away and do all of the things sure. that, that he had to do. And that was his choice all the way through. And, and he continued to make it, which took a lot of courage. It is appropriate for you to acknowledge the, your dynamic within there, though, because that was what you were responsible for. And you yeah. have handled that yeah. entirely differently. And that would have had an impact on him. It wouldn't have yeah. necessarily stopped him from reaching or learning whatever it was he needed to yep. do, but it could have made it more complicated or harder or longer or shorter. You know, who knows, right? Yep. You were responsible for that piece. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to be true to myself. That was the bottom line was I had to be true to myself in order to be true to that, um, that engagement, that relationship. Yeah. And that was the only way that I could do it at that time. Yeah. And that was important. That was, that was important to do. But I think we're facing that. I'm not the only one who's been facing that over the last couple of years. Um, I think that the planet is facing difficult choices right now um, in terms of where we're going and how we're going to get there and how we, how we support one another, but also how we hold the line for one another when we decide that certain behavior like if, if you're, you know, dragging a country in Africa down the tubes 
for your own gratification. Is that okay? Does the world stand and watch that happen? It doesn't even have to be far away in Africa. No, it doesn't. <laughs> a lot of it doesn't. No. Yeah. No. So I think it's perfect timing for our last song for today. Yes. You can't always get what you want by the Rolling Stones. Let's yes. take a listen to that and we'll be right back to close off for the day.
Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. That was You Can't Always Get What You Want by the Rolling Stones. Uh, it feels so apt for right now. Oh my goodness. So it's a nice way to um to see us out for for today. Yeah. I I really like that when we have these conversations together. I feel like we're helping all of you listeners out there to hit a pause button yeah. and to have a little space and time in your 
in your day and your week for reflection, for, for that introspection that precedes the, the next leap. Um, I, yes. I, I hope that that's what we can provide when I'm, we're, when we're, we're doing, doing that. We do it for each other when we do this, yeah. you know, yeah. um, I know this is beneficial for me as well. It's one of these in live processing kind of sessions in which we're inviting you yeah. to participate in. Yeah. And you know what? It's this pause. It's this slowing down that enables us to then ask the question. I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halex, Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalex.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. Oh, ah, 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 ah. Happy, 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 boing, 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 bo